You're listening to the Blair List Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Blair List Podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest because I have Dana Rosansky, who's a senior account director at RBB Communications, which is a huge agency in Miami. And she's also the brains behind Miami Food Porn, which is a really successful food blog and Instagram that gives you the latest and greatest of restaurants in Miami, things to do, and honestly, everything she posts is so delicious. So Dana, the first question that we always ask everyone on the podcast is, where are you from and what did you want to be when you grew up? Hi, so I'm from Miami, Florida, and the first job that I remember wanting to have was a house painter. A house painter? Why was that? I don't know. There, there, there seemed to be something very therapeutic about like those long things that you would paint houses with. I'm not sure. Hmm. So my parents are pleasantly uh, surprised <laughs> and relieved that I didn't go that route. What did you study in college? I studied communications and Spanish. Spanish. Yes. That must have been super helpful living in Miami. Yeah. I mean, coming back to Miami was always on my radar. So I knew that it would help give me a leg up. Um, And I also have always had a knack for languages. So you're currently a senior account director at RBB Communications, which is a really big, well-respected agency in Miami. Talk to me a little bit about your career path and how you got there. So it was definitely a windy road. I worked at a couple of startups before getting to this point. Um, really just trying to figure out what interested me. I knew that communications was something that I was good at, but that's such a broad field, right? So um, I worked at these startups, like I mentioned, but I realized that I thrive with a little bit more stability and I wanted to work with big clients and learn from people and really move up the ranks. So a couple of agencies later, I landed at RBB and I've been there for four years now. I work on a mix of consumer accounts. So everything in travel, hospitality, you know, I work with the vodka brand, I work with hotel brands, and it's been a really interesting, eye-opening, and, you know, great learning experience. What does someone in your position do on, like, a day-to-day? So it's kind of hard to sum that up in just a few words, but it's really about multitasking and being able to juggle a bunch of different client needs, everything from getting them press placements to working with influencers to, you know, during non-COVID times, staffing press trips, taking journalists to experience uh, a client, whether it's a hotel or a destination, or, you know, I've worked with the Adrian Arsh Center, bringing the brand to life in a way that's going to lead to positive coverage. And in my role, that's a lot of client-facing responsibility, but it's also about managing the internal team, making sure that people have the skills that they need to land a great press hit, how to communicate with the client, things like that. I love that. And I feel like I've spoken to a few different publicists on this podcast, and I feel like everyone does so many different things because they work in different industries. Like one publicist might do something completely different if they work in a different field. So what would you say for someone that's in your environment? What do you think the most important qualities are for a publicist in your industry? I think just really having that hustle mentality being relentless, having thick skin. You're not always going to get the answer you want. You're going to get ignored left and right 
by journalists and it's just powering through and pushing until you get what you need. It's being resourceful. Um, it's, it's being able to really juggle and push through every challenge. I love that. And I think it's so important in any field to have that mentality, but especially PR, because it is such a client facing industry where you really have to hone in and appreciate your relationships with people. Cause I feel like that's how everything sort of begins, like how you get clients, how you grow your network. Do you have any networking tips for people who want to get into PR? Yeah. I mean, you bring up a great point that relationships are everything. And I think when you start to nail it is when you don't even realize that you're networking. Everything that I do in my day to day can be turned into a business opportunity. Someone I meet, you know, through a friend or at the grocery store, it starts to click in a different way. You're always looking for new opportunities, whether that's new business, a partnership for your client. So it's not like you go to a networking event and then you turn it on. You always have to have it on. Yeah, it's sort of like a lifestyle, especially in Miami, because Miami is so small, just like many other cities. I'm sure people in New York think New York is small, too. But especially here with the publicists that I've worked with, it is so important to not burn any bridges, right? Like even if you leave a position and you work somewhere else, it's important to still keep in contact with people, hone in on those relationships, because there's a really high chance that you're going to work with these people again in the future. Absolutely. And I mean, some of my old bosses have gotten me future jobs or become future clients. So Miami is small. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't see a potential connection down the line, you never know. You don't know who's related to who, who's friends with who. So like anything else in life, it's, it's good to establish strong relationships and maintain them. Do you think that there are any misconceptions of publicists, especially in Miami? Yes. So it's funny. I think I'm quick to not want to say I work for a PR firm and I maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's a bias and I think people disregard the level of work and hustle and strategy that goes into PR. It's not just, you know, little elves behind a computer (laughs) just constantly sending a blast email and messing up the recipient's name. There is a lot of that, especially as people are junior and they're trying to learn, they're trying to crank out work. but. At my agency and at my level, I think there's so much thought and creativity um, and, and strategy that people don't see behind the scenes. What would you say are the elements of a perfect pitch? Um, great question. I think the perfect pitch has to have a really catchy subject line. It has to be short and it has to be personalized. And I don't just mean, hey, Joe, mm-hmm. it would be great if you maybe reference an article that you saw Joe write about or you know for a fact that Joe loves sports and you're pitching about sports. It's that simple, you know, next step of knowing that this person might be interested and it doesn't feel generic. They're going to feel compelled to respond. Yeah. And I feel like when you do put a little bit more effort into emails, that not only are they going to open it and probably be more inclined to work with you, but they're going to remember that. And they're going to remember your email in the sea of emails that I'm sure that they get from people saying, write about my restaurant or write about this brand that I manage. And it's important to, again, going back to relationships, just having more of that like personalized feel instead of just sending out that mass email and changing the name. I can't even tell you how many times. I mean, I can't imagine you, but in the short time that I worked with different publicists, it happened so many times and it was very, it's like a careless mistake that you can easily fix. And I think that these tips are really helpful for people who want to get into PR and don't really know about it. 
Yeah, and one more thing um, that you jog my memory, another tip would be reach out when you don't need something. Don't only reach out when you have a pitch or you're desperate to land a story at the last minute. Reach out around the holidays. Reach out when you see that they get a promotion or they share an interesting article. I think showing that you're present when you're not always looking for something is, is a really good way to build that relationship. I love that. So let's jump into Miami food porn because I follow you and I'm just obsessed with all of the photos that you post because it looks so good. And I can't imagine you being around that food all the time, how that could, yeah, but how it could ever get old. So talk to me a little bit about how you started Miami food porn. What was the inspiration behind it for you to just go for it with someone who has a full-time job too? Sure. So Um, I've always been interested, not just in food, but basically having my finger on the pulse. It could be, um, you know, a music festival that's coming to town. It could be a new store that's opening. It really relates to everything social and being a resource for my friends, my family, and beyond that. So senior year of college, I took a one-credit blogging course when blogging still wasn't such a thing. I was just coasting and, and trying to, you know, get by. And I ended up writing about restaurants in Ann Arbor because I went to Michigan. Um, And I had a lot of fun with it. And I saw the power of connecting with business owners and the local community just by doing this. And I would write about everything from like the local late night pizza joint to actual sit down restaurants. Um, So that was my first introduction to all this. I came back to Miami after graduating and I became a huge Yelp nerd. I would write these long Yelp reviews. I don't know who was reading them, but I had fun writing them. So I love to write. I love to be a resource. <laughs> and then naturally, the next, the next phase of it was taking it to Instagram. Started really slow and steady. Um, it was more when I had a photo to share, I would post. And then the more consistently I started posting, I really saw opportunity there. And people started reaching out. And brands started reaching out. And restaurants wanted to invite me in. So it, it's like with anything else, the more work you put into it, the more return you see. And I couldn't really slow down. So yes, I have a full-time job. And yes, Mm -hmm. this requires a ton of my energy. But the momentum that I started to create was just too good to to stop. Um, So I started really taking it more seriously and treating it like a job and, you know, meeting some of my closest friends through it and connecting with the local community through it and, and getting business opportunities as well. It's funny how even though Miami food porn is sort of like your side job that you do away from your nine to five, your PR mind really comes into it. It's kind of like, that's who you are at your essence. And even if you're doing something that started as a passion project, you're really putting your all into it and using your skills of being resourceful, having those connections, building relationships, connecting with the local community around you, whether you're in your college town or you're here in Miami working with big restaurants. So talk to me a little bit about how you started getting brand partnerships and working with different restaurants and companies to grow Miami food porn. So because I do work full time, I would say 99% of what I do is reactive. Luckily, the more that I was starting to put into it, the more I was running around, sharing content, building relationships here locally, opportunities started to come to me. So whether that's a brand sliding in my DMs or sending me an email, I'm lucky in that, you know, I just from there have to figure out what do I want to do? Do I want to work with this brand, negotiate? What's a fair price? What do the deliverables look like? I would say, you know, I have a lot of friends who do this full time and they're out there pitching themselves and coming up with what their perfect brand partnership would look like and going out and hustling for it, which is amazing. 
Um, what I do is a little bit more reactive. It's still work. Don't get me wrong, but they're coming to me, which is great. Right. I'm sure it took a really long time to build your following organically, something that's really difficult if you didn't start an Instagram like in the archaic times where you could get 300,000 followers overnight. How has it been building that following? How long did it take you? Do you have like any type of content strategy that you focus on? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think it's funny. A lot of people ask me, I want to start a food blogger. I should have done that. Or how do I grow a following? And People think there's a magic answer. There's really not. Um, It just takes a lot of patience and a lot of consistency. This certainly did not happen overnight, and it's been slow and steady. So luckily, I've continued to grow, but I've never woken up and, you know, the numbers just were through the roof. It's been a long time coming. I've been working on this for more than six years now. So if you think about it, it's it's a slow growth pattern. Um, If I dedicated 100% of my energy to Miami Food Porn, could I grow faster? Yes. But I think with anything else, you have to, the output has to be there. So if you don't feel like it for a week, you don't want to go out to eat, you're on vacation, it doesn't rest. It's, it's constant. It's day in and day out. So giving people what they want and continuing to remind them that you're there. You can't just have a week on and a week off. And one of my favorite things about your Instagram is that you have such like a signature tone of voice. It's really cheeky. It's fun. You know that it's not just a typical food blogger page. It's really like your personality shines through. Was that something that just kind of came naturally to you? First of all, thank you. (laughs) Um, Yes. So people have said to me, uh, whether it's my captions or even my emails, that I write the way that I speak and it does come naturally to me. People, my friends even will be like, how do you come up with that? And sometimes I have a mental block and I'll just put it away and I'll come back to it. But honestly, that's that's the way my brain works. I I love to just have these short quips um, and puns and cheesy captions. And yeah, I would say that's that comes more naturally to me than the photo taking. That's something that I've had to work on a little bit more. But words are, are sort of my my thing. Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) What about shooting your photos and editing them? Do you use a professional camera? Do you use a specific preset so that your feed looks cohesive? Um, so I have used a mix. I've used iPhone and I've used a professional camera. I have the Sony a 6,000, but honestly it is collecting dust. I have not touched it in months. I find that my iPhone photos are just as good, if not better. And they actually perform better. There's something about it where I feel like People don't like to see artsy photos, at least on my feed. They want to feel like they're all up in the action with you. The close-ups, like the really clear, crisp, in-your-face shots, which my iPhone does a great job of, natural light definitely helps. So whenever I'm able to shoot during the day, that's, that's a bonus. And then editing is something that I do pretty light. So I use Snapseed. Sometimes I edit just on my phone or on Instagram. I am not a professional photographer by any means, but... That's kind of the beauty of the platform, right? Like it gives everyone the chance to showcase photos in a way that works and it doesn't have to be picture perfect. When it comes to brand partnerships, are you very specific about the brands that you work with? Is it something that you have to feel really passionate about it? You have to have sort of like a connection or a story to a restaurant or a company? Or is it kind of like if new brands reach out to you and you see that it aligns with your brand, you're down to partner with them? So I think it's important to kind of have standards and to be specific, but I don't think that every brand needs to be a dream partner. If I've never heard of it, I'll do my due diligence. I'll research. 
Do I like their aesthetic? Do I like their branding? Is this something that I would actually consume? Um, is this something I will actually recommend? Because it has to be honest at the end of the day. Um, it's my reputation. I'm, I'm vouching for it. So not everything has to be like, again, my, my go-to dream. But if I think that someone would like it and I can tell you something that's good about it or that I believe, I'm willing to work with you. But the real question that I want to know is how do you stay in shape <laughs> with all of this insanely amazing high-calorie food? Yeah, it's, it's hard and it's all about making decisions. So first of all, I love to exercise. Thankfully, I work out every single day. Uh, no, no breaks on that either. In the same way that I'm always on with social media, I'm always on with exercise, but I love to indulge. So I'm trying a lot of the things that you're seeing on my page. Am I eating it every day, all day? Absolutely not. But I like to say that I selectively indulge. And when I do it, I really want to enjoy myself. If I'm going out on a Saturday night, I'm not going to worry about what I'm eating. And the next day I'll be healthy. And, you know, you, you pick and choose what's worth it. How has your account changed since COVID with everything going on, with restaurants being closed for a short period of time, and now everything is kind of either outdoor dining or takeout only? How has that affected you? So at this point, there have been a lot of different stages of you know the way that I've been posting, and we've been in this situation for so long. But in the beginning, it was a lot of delivery, and it was overwhelming because I wanted to help everybody. But again, I'm one person in an apartment. My neighbors love me because I have leftovers for days, but (laughs) it's a lot. And I just was saying yes more than I could even handle because I felt compelled to do it. These restaurants have given back to us and especially food bloggers for so long that I was like, this is the time we have to just give back to them. But I'm accustomed to going to a restaurant, getting a beautifully plated dish, perfect lighting, and my job's kind of easy. Now I'm dealing with takeout, comes in a box. Not everything's looking great. The lighting in my apartment, you know, could, could not be worse. So I found the one little corner of my balcony that gets decent light. I bought a tripod. I got a little table and I adjusted. So is it, do I think that everything I've been posting and sharing is like as beautiful as it would be in a restaurant? Absolutely not. But we adapt and I've heard from so many restaurants and even just these pop-up local you know, bakers, how appreciative they are, how it's really helped their business. So that's, that's everything to me. I think also like the fact that your photos have maybe changed a little bit from being so picture perfect is really relatable and approachable. And people can relate to that a lot more because I know that when I'm ordering takeout now, it's definitely not looking what it looked like when I went into a restaurant. So it's kind of showing that we're all going through the same thing and we're all adapting. Even when it comes to food, you know, your go-to spots might not have the dish that you want because of whatever reason, or, you know, it might not look exactly the same, but it's so important to really support these small businesses. And when it comes to that, I'm sure it's really difficult for you to figure out if you should be charging certain businesses or doing favors for people, because it is a weird time. And you want to be able to support these businesses, but it's also a way that, you know, you make a living too. So how do you really figure out that formula of, should I just, you know, do them a solid because they've been so good to me and, you know, it's a weird time for everyone or am I going to charge for this? That is a great question. And I feel like you're really relating to all of my uh, (laughs) emotions in this. So I think there was a point in the beginning to middle of this time where I was getting super burnt out because I wanted to do everything, support everyone, 
And I think it's just realizing like anything else in life, it's okay to say no and realizing how to say no appropriately and respectfully. Um, everyone seems to have some sort of a pop-up bakery, cookie shop. They all look absolutely amazing. Can I accept deliveries from a cookie place every single day of the week? I cannot. <laughs> so instead of charging, you know, probably a mom who's cooking this out of her kitchen during a pandemic, which I'm not about to do, I'll say they look amazing. I have my hands completely full. Let's revisit next month. And I mean it, but I'm not over committing, which I, I have a problem with doing. So, you know, if, if it's a brand or a restaurant chain, that's a whole different discussion. I know that they have advertising dollars for things like this, and it, it does shift the conversation. When it comes to local and small businesses, I try to support however I can without overexerting myself. How did you figure out what to charge? Because I feel like this food Instagram blogging world is relatively new, right? And you do have to treat it like it's a brand because it is, but it probably was a new space for you to figure out how much you charge per post. If you're creating content, if you're just going there and, you know, doing some stories, was it more of like trial and error for you or was it something that you just learned along the way? So I'm still figuring it out. I think the conversation changes day to day. A lot of brands or restaurants will ask for a rate card. Well, my first response to that is that doesn't exist for me. Other bloggers might have a rate card. To me, it's so cookie cutter. That makes it very transactional. That's not how I like to work. Every campaign is different. What are your goals? I'm not just going to sell you a Facebook post because no one looks at my Facebook. People ask for a blog post. I'll tell you honestly, you're going to get more bang for your buck doing Instagram stories where I can give you a swipe up. You know, I think there are different ways to have the conversation. And I like to get people on the phone, talk through what they're looking for, and then make a recommendation based on that. Um, Because again, no two conversations are the same. I also like to let the brand lead with their budget. If you tell me you have $500, we'll talk about what can be done for those $500. If you tell me you have $2,000, different conversation. So versus like playing this whole cat and mouse game where no one really wants to to be the first one to show their cards, I'd rather them tell me and I, we can cut to the chase, if that yeah, makes sense. Totally. And I think that everything just goes back to relationship building, right? Like you're not looking at a restaurant for a paycheck. You're looking at okay, does this work with my brand? Do I like your food? Do I like your restaurant? Do I have a relationship with these people? Mm -hmm. And I think that when you start from there, you're able to really cultivate these relationships where let's say you work with a restaurant and you do a post for them and a swipe up and it was really successful. They're not only going to remember, you know, the transactional part of it where analytically it was really good for them. Mm -hmm. They're going to remember you and you being like, you know what, to be honest, this is better for you as opposed to just saying, yeah, sure, I'll take X amount for a Facebook post instead right. of instead of saying, actually, you know, I put more effort into Instagram and you're going to get more bang for your buck off of that. I think that that's super important to have that transparency because I know a lot of people who will just take the money and leave and then they'll right. never get called back by that company again. Yeah. And to that point about relationships that are more long term and less transactional, pricing can also depend if you're going to get a commitment. So I'm going to charge X. But if you want to talk about a four month partnership where I'm going to do these deliverables every month, then let's look at it like a package. Everyone's going to win. I think people are, are very they want quick wins, um, immediate gratification. Well, social media, a lot of it is brand awareness. So if I'm putting you on my feed every month for a couple months, the long-term play is much more valuable than just the one and done. So 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that it's a good way to look at it as a package because if you are working with a new brand and let's say it's around the holidays, obviously pre-COVID times, but they have a few things going on, you can sort of talk to them and say, what do you have planned? And then you can brainstorm yourself and sort of be that strategist and say, oh, you have two products coming out. Well, why don't we just do a different type of situation where I can post about it twice for each one? Mm -hmm. And then it's more of like a, a relationship that you're cultivating for their benefit too. So they see, oh, well, she actually cares about us. She cares about how this is going to affect us. It's not just like, yeah, I'll post and then never hear from you again. And I think that that's really important in any industry, but especially in your industry, because it it is a very saturated market and it is difficult to make a name for yourself, which you have done. You know, Miami food porn is a respected name in Miami and you're able to work with large brands, local businesses and that's half the battle right there is really like solidifying yourself as a brand that people respect. Yeah. Because it takes time. And yeah. and like you said, it goes back to patience and consistency and really just being dedicated to it. Like it's your second full-time job basically. Right. Exactly. And you have to figure out what's important to you and sometimes make sacrifices for those things. Oh yeah. Lots, lots of sacrifices. <laughs> lots of sacrifices and lots of calories. Mm-hmm. I saw on your website, I did a little bit of lurking, (laughs) that you linked a Google Sheet of different restaurants in Miami that are doing takeout, but you also had a tab for healthcare professionals and where they can get discounts. I love that so much, and I haven't seen that been done so far. So talk to me a little bit about that inspiration and what made you want to do that. So I, I put together the takeout guide in the beginning of all this when people were just going nuts. I was getting DMs from every single restaurant owner telling me, oh, we're, we're doing this takeout thing. Oh, we're delivering. And I personally couldn't organize it all based on the DMs alone. And then I had followers asking me what's the best takeout. So I decided we need to, we need to put this in some sort of a streamlined fashion that everyone can use and be a resource. And I decided to make it a Google Doc because rather than me inputting everything, everyone had access to just drop their stuff in. So the next evolution of that um, document, which I ended up partnering with Yelp, and we really put our heads together to make it more official, was healthcare workers because people were asking me. Healthcare workers were asking me what are the deals for them and, and other people were asking me about it too and I just didn't have the information handy. So I decided to spin off from there and hope that people would give me the information to spread the word. Well, it looked like there were a lot on there. So yeah, it grew. <laughs> it grew a lot and it looked really in depth. And I love that you did a Google Doc because sometimes people really overthink it and they try to make it yeah. look really pretty. But it's Efficiency. such an easy, exactly. It's such an easy way for you to just update it. And then the link is automatically mm-hmm. updated. And especially now with, you know, the ever changing times of COVID, it's right difficult where some restaurants are closing unfortunately and you do have to make those updates it's I was so impressed I was like this is such a simple concept but I feel like myself even I wouldn't have thought to do that I would have just been (laughs) like oh let's make it difficult and like post it one by one right so I love that (laughs) thank you when you're working with brands there is a reporting aspect right if someone's investing in you Mm -hmm. and telling you hey we're gonna pay you x amount for you to do these stories to swipe up talk to me about how you report your analytics and how successful the campaign was because that's important and also continuing that relationship and working with them again. Right. So I usually follow the brand's lead and and usually they'll ask me for specifics. Oh, 
you know, what were the engagements or the impressions, and I'll share all that information. I'm very transparent. I'll send screenshots. You know, I'm not just going to send them an email with these are the numbers. I want them to see it. I have nothing to hide. Um, and if you have an Instagram business account, you have access to all that. So usually just send screenshots of the analytics that I have, you know, access to. But I like to go beyond that. And one of my favorite ways to report that's a little bit more of like added value is DMs. And it's so underrated, the nuggets that you get in your DMs, people responding, showing their excitement, asking you for more information. Um, And I have really such gems in there that I always take screenshots and I send it to brands. By the way, I thought you'd be interested to see this. So. That's so smart. I never thought about that. Thanks. Because it's it's like real-time consumer feedback. It is, yeah. So an example of that is Sweet Green just opened this week uh, in Coral Gables, which I have been counting down for this I, moment. I want to move to Coral Gables just so I can go to Sweet Green every day. We'll, we'll go. We'll yeah. go. It's gonna and I know be they're opening one in, in Sunset Harbor, which I already like see my bank account yelling at me because... Yeah. And guys, if you don't know, Sweet Green is the most magical, amazing salad place. It's not a basic salad place. I mean, I just live for their spicy cashew dressing. I coordinate which hotel I stay at in New York so that it's close to Sweet Green. So sad, but it's true. And really, all you have to do is just have it once and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But yeah, talk to me about that. Um, Yeah, so I was waiting for this moment. I basically have been stalking the brand. I met with the marketing chicks like eight months ago, right before the world turned upside down. I was like, you don't understand. We need to work together. So fast forward, I am working with them and I helped tease the opening. You know, I went to the friends and family preview, shared stories, and the DMs were blowing up because anyone who's been on the East Coast and other cities really know. And it's exciting for Miami. So I started taking screenshots. I put them all in a WeTransfer. I sent it to the brand. I was like, just thought you guys would enjoy this. And I dropped it right there. They absolutely loved it. Um, and to your point about your bank account, <laughs> one of the best DMs I got was from my boss at RBB that said, we'll transfer your direct deposit in the morning to Sweetgreen. <laughs> so if that isn't a testament to, you know, the power of the engagement, I don't know what is. So. That's amazing. So yeah. you have the best boss ever, basically. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, she gets it. <laughs> and it's near your office. So whenever it opens up, it's exactly. dangerous. Just transfer the direct deposit. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite thing that you get there? Or do you just make your own? I always make my own. Yeah. I'm like a creature of habit. I get the same thing basically. And I'll just do like the blackened chicken, mm. spicy cashew dressing, Yum. quinoa, avocado, sweet potato. I go crazy. Amazing. Yeah. I love it all. It's so funny because I actually went to the um, media preview, but I was late and I got there and I was like, no, no, no guys, you don't understand. Like, I need a salad today. I drove all the way from South Beach. Like, oh my gosh. let's hook it up. And they were so nice about it. And they actually gave me a credit. Oh, nice. So when, whenever you want to go. Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. Sweet Green is calling my name. <laughs> what do you think that every good restaurant needs to have? Of course, pre-COVID in-person mm-hmm. experience. Um, consistency. I don't want to be promoting a place that I have a great experience at just because I'm a food blogger and they roll out the red carpet. Mm -hmm. Everyone should be able to have the same dish time and time again, taste the same, service is great no matter who you have. So that's one. I'm really about ambiance, actually more than food. Um, When I'm not going out to eat for my blog, I like to kind of stay at home and be healthy. So I'm not going out for the food. I want to be in a vibe that's either relaxing or there's an awesome patio or it overlooks the beach. So I think some sort of memorable ambiance is key for me. I love that. 
if you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Dessert is included. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I would eat sweet green salad, but (laughs) if, okay. Same. That's a tough question. I'm going to give you too many answers. So sushi is probably my favorite food. Same. All Asian food, but sushi I never get sick of. I could eat that day in and day out. And then dessert, I definitely have a sweet tooth. I might get sick of this, but I would eat raw cookie dough from the package. Oh, my God. Classic. And it's, I was expecting you to tell me, like, some no, little fancy. niche fancy place no. here, but cookie dough. Yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> there is nothing better. Nothing. Which is so funny because now they actually sell, like, tubs of edible cookie dough. And I I'm can't like, buy it. I won't I'm buy like, it. No, it'll be gone. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. even buy regular cookie dough because I'll eat, like, a piece of the cookie dough before I even put it in the oven. I kind of like that better than the actual cookies. It is better. But I'm just traumatized from... When I was growing up, and my mom telling me that I'm gonna get salmonella poisoning, yeah, and me she was too. like, "You can't eat it," and I'm I like, "No, but it. you can. You can <laughs> eat it." And still to this day, I do that. That's funny. So I always ask guests from Miami if they had 24 hours left in this city, what would they do? That includes restaurants, breakfast, lunch, dinner, places you would go, museums. Honestly, it's just your ultimate day in Miami. Wow. No limits. No credit card limits (laughs) oh my gosh that's a great question so since i'm a freak i would definitely start my day with a workout a kickboxing class at cko and brickle because then i'm going to earn the rest of the damage that i'm going to do the rest of the day after that i'm going to go to a boozy brunch either at zuma or lamar they both have outdoor seating on the water amazing cocktails amazing food i'm gonna sit there till they kick us out um maybe we'll go to the beach after and kind of like lay it off you know get some sun you have to get sun while you're in miami no scratch that i'm gonna go on a boat okay better get gonna sun go on, on a boat. boat um then where are we gonna go for dinner we're gonna go somewhere awesome for dinner and then we're gonna go out dancing till the wee hours of the morning because i really miss partying oh same <laughs> any specific place you'd go dancing um I don't know. I mean, ball and chain could be fun just because it's so Miami. And you said, you know, specific to Miami. Mm -hmm. That feels very iconic. Yep. And the ice cream place next door, Asuka. Asuka. But they're never open when I need them. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's always like post ball and chain when you really need it. But they're closed and that's unfortunate. That feels like quite the Miami day. Yeah, I would say. Is there anything that you would do like museum wise or anything like that? Like outdoors? I I think the Pam and the Frost are amazing and you can hit them back to back. I think the botanical gardens are really beautiful. Um, Miami has a lot of culture and I think people don't really realize that or give us enough credit um yeah what would you say is like the biggest misunderstanding of someone from miami because you're from here yeah and so am i and i feel like when people ask me where i'm from and i tell them they're like oh you just party all day or you just go to the beach all day but there's such a culture here Mm -hmm. with food with even museums and things to do people to meet what would you say is the biggest misconception So I think you nailed it in that we don't just party and go to the beach all day. But more than that is that there's more to Miami than South Beach. And more and more, I mean, in the past couple of years, I've seen such an evolution in Wynwood, in Little Havana, and it's becoming cool. It's not just the type of place you go on a one-off on a Sunday to, oh, we should check this out. It's actually, there's pickup there, right? Hotels are opening there, bars are opening there, rooftops, and Miami is so worth exploring from like top to bottom, whether it's going to Homestead, 
or going to, like I said, Little Havana is so cool to me and, and such a vibrant, diverse city that we're in. Yeah, I love that. Is there anything else that we should mention? I feel like we did it all. We talked about PR. We talked yeah. about your, your no, you, had, you had great questions. <laughs> Thank well you. Researched. Thank you. I stalked you. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> you did only have one YouTube video, unfortunately. I even have one? Yeah, you oh, were. Oh, it's the Chef Calvin. It's, it was like a CNN thing. Oh, yeah. Which was awesome, by the way. How did you get Thanks. that? Because synergies between PR and you my- You took me on a tour of Miami. I was like, this is great. I need to go here. It was crazy. Actually, what happened with that is I used to work with Vizcaya and one of the reporters that I was working with asked me something about food. Do you have any food clients? And I was like, no, but I have this food blog so I can help you. Like, what are you looking for? And she thought that I was like offering myself up. She's like, well, I'm doing this segment for CNN. Do you want to do it? I was like, excuse me. Like I maybe (laughs) put my face on my Instagram like three times and I still don't do it very often. So it was so out of my comfort zone, but I was like, it's CNN. Well, you did a great job. Suck it up. Yeah, exactly. It's CNN. It's the first thing that pops up when you Google your name. So I did something for Food Network. And it's like, you kind of just have to break the ice. But it was was one of those crazy opportunities. That's so awesome. And you really see like the synergy between PR and what you do. And I think that- It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. And I think that it's all, again, it just everything goes back to relationships. So don't burn bridges. Hone in on your relationships. Don't ask people for, don't contact people only when you need something. When you network, and this goes back to another networking episode that I recently dropped, like you don't just need to reach out to people when you want or need something from them. You need to actually, networking is all about providing value to other people. And it's actually helping other people, not helping yourself, which indirectly it does help yourself. But cultivating these relationships are so important and really just getting to know people and and fostering these friendships is like one of the most valuable things that you can do especially in Miami yeah and and I would say nine times out of ten if it pays itself forward like tenfold when you're when you're doing something for someone else and and you have no expectation you're going to be surprised by what you get back whether it's someone has referred me for a job who I barely knew you know things really come full circle so it's great when you expect nothing and then you're blown away by the outcome. I love that. So tell people where they can find you. <laughs> At Miami underscore food porn on Instagram. And my website is www.miamifoodporn.com. You've been warned. Everything on there is delicious <laughs> and your entire day's calories in one meal. But it's worth it. Sorry. All you have to do is just work out every day. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. And see you soon. Awesome. Bye.